Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but we would love to meet you in person. All are welcome, and that includes you. So if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service at the corner of Arthur Ashe Boulevard and Grove in the historic synagogue across from the art museum. Can't make it in person? No problem. We are also live streaming on YouTube. Contact our administrator at tikvatdirector at gmail.com for the link during the week or contact us on our website tikvatisrael.com. There, you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of his word. So did you hear about the old man who prayed every day at the Western Wall in Jerusalem, the site of the Holy Temple? One day someone asked him, why? Why he went faithfully every day to pray there, day after day, year after year, decade after decade. He said, I'm following the instruction of Psalm 122. Shalu shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So they said, wow, that's incredible. What's it like? What's it like, he replied. It's like talking to a wall. <laughs> Sometimes we feel our efforts are pushing a boulder up a hill with not much to show for it. On Google, every business or institution has a category, right? Like the Mary Angela's down the street is a restaurant. So any person with an internet access can make suggestions if they think that place is in the wrong category. Now there is a person who continuously, like every five days or so, changes the category of our synagogue and suggests that we are, in fact, a church. And I'm not offended by this. We get called a church quite often. And uh, you know, usually I'll give someone three times to say, oh, you're, you're church. And I'll say, well, actually, you know, we're, we're a synagogue. We're a part of the church of the city, right? The, the body of Messiah. But we are, in fact, Jewish space, and we're a synagogue. We're a messianic synagogue. So I will get an email alert if I'm near my phone when this happens. I'll get an email that says, someone suggests that Tikvat Israel Messianic Synagogue is actually a church. So I will change it back, and then Google says, this may take about 10 minutes, and then 10 minutes later, it's, it's restored. And every time this happens, I pray a blessing <laughs> on this person. Now, if this person is listening to the sermon on the podcast, I want you to know that we love you, and we are praying for you, and we are reminded to pray for you every time you try to change our category, so we're okay with it. But uh, by now, I think they should really be blessed, because it's happened quite a lot. And the ultimate blessing, of course, what is the ultimate blessing that a person can experience? Not just fruitfulness, not just prosperity, but it's, it's Yeshua. That's really what I'm praying for this person because that's, that's the most blessing that a person can have. And um, we're supposed to pray for those who persecute you, right? I mean, it's not exactly persecution, right? It's just more annoying, 
But, uh, you know, it's really not so bad if you compare it to real persecution, like what Paul of Tarsus was doing to the Messianic community before the Lord encountered him on the road to Damascus. Paul was persecuting and even killing Messianic Jews. And then what happened to him? He was blinded for three days while riding on his horse, and he devoted his life to the Lord in a powerful way. And we have all these beautiful letters from him and all this ministry from from Paul now because of what happened. So, you know, I was kind of hoping that this person would be blessed, of course, with the love of Yeshua, and then maybe that their computer would be frozen for three days, and they would have to take it to a follower of Yeshua, a Messianic Jew or, or, or a Christian, and then they would get it fixed by that follower of Yeshua, and they would come to know the Lord through that, and they would maybe stop bothering us. But, you know, we can all pray that, I guess, but <laughs> let's, let's remember to pray for this person. But you know, when will we be accepted within the Jewish community? Sometimes I wonder that. When will we see Jewish people come to recognize their Messiah and choose to walk in their Jewish identity and calling? When will we see the nations in Richmond come to know Yeshua alongside the Jewish people? When will we see the bridging and restoration between Yeshua, the Jewish people, and the nations, which, as I mentioned, is our vision? When will we see people healed and filled with shalom? When will we see families restored, the hearts of children turning to their parents and the hearts of parents turning to their children? When will we see the kingdom of heaven, Yeshua on his throne in Jerusalem, and peace Peace in that city and peace, shalom, all over the earth. Sometimes we have to wait a while in exile for these things that we are hoping for, that we're crying out to the Lord for. And he will do it. He will do it in his time. He will do it. He will restore all things. All things will be placed under the feet of Yeshua, including the last enemy, which is death. He will do it. And he will use the exile, the waiting times, for his purpose. In the midst of this barrenness, this desolation, this existing in exile, Isaiah calls out to Israel like this. Shout for joy, O barren one, O infertile one. You who have not given birth to any child, break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. This is the beginning of this week's Haftarah portion from Isaiah 54. What's going on? Well, Isaiah the prophet is encouraging Israel because she's in exile. She has been kicked out of the Holy Land. She has been overrun by foreign kings and is in a state of despair and discouragement. He is comparing Israel to a woman without children, which makes us think of many such women in the Bible. All of the matriarchs, all of them, experienced barrenness. Sarah was barren, and then she had Isaac. Rebecca was barren, and then she had Jacob. Rachel was barren, and then she had Joseph 
and Benjamin, as well as Hannah, the mother of Samuel, Samson's mother, and the great woman of Shunem, who was visited by Elisha. Actually, she was barren, and then she had a child, and then the child died, and then the Lord brought the child back to life through the prophet Elisha. All of these women experienced barrenness, infertility, and all of them cried out to the Lord, and the Lord answered all of them. As for the matriarchs, this is why the Jewish people exist. And also, we notice in all these cases that, in a sense, the child is offered back to the Lord. Think about Isaac. He was offered back up to the Lord, nearly, nearly died. The child of the Shunem woman, he actually died, and the Lord raised him back. Think about Joseph. What happened to Rachel's son? He was sold into slavery. Think about Samuel. Hannah was kneeling at the temple, crying out, praying in a a language that the priest did not understand. He thought she was drunk, but she wasn't. She was just praying in a different language. And uh, the Lord visited her and gave her a son. And what did she do with that son? She gave him back to the Lord. And Samuel, man, what a guy. He was awesome. He was this pivotal person in between the time when we didn't have any king, everyone was doing whatever they wanted, and then we had a king, but it was Saul, and then we had King David. He saw Israel through this amazing transition. He was a priest, and he was a prophet, and an encourager. He was an amazing guy. All because his mother offered him back to the Lord. The lack of fruitfulness causes the mother to cry out, and then... The fruit, once it comes, is given back to the Lord when he brings life and fruit. We remember Sarah in this mode. Isaiah's talking about Sarah. He's talking about Israel, but he's also talking about Sarah. What happened when she found out what the Lord was going to do? She laughed, right? What does Isaiah tell Israel to do? Sing, make a joyful noise. What's a joyful noise? Ha ha ha, right? She's following the advice of Isaiah, even though that, that of course, came later. So this is, uh, this is what happened in this passage. And, and Abraham also laughs. Then God said to Abraham, as for your wife Sarai, you shall not call her by the name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. That sounds like very fruitful, right? Then Abraham fell on his face and gave a joyful noise, laughed, and said in his heart, will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, give birth to a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. But God said, no, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you shall name him Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I will bless him, I will make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. He shall father twelve princes, and I shall make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this season next year. When he finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. And this is the next chapter. Then they said to him, these are visitors to Abraham, where is your wife Sarah? And he said, there in the tent. He said, I will certainly return to you at this time next year, and behold, your wife Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. So she laughed to herself 
After I've become old, am I to have pleasure, my Lord being old also? But the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I actually give birth to a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at the time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Sarah and Abraham are like the Adam and Eve of Israel. There's just two of them, just two of them. And yet, from this old man and this barren woman will come forth the Jewish people. That's why I'm here. I wouldn't be here if God didn't do that. And this idea is so overwhelming to Sarah. So what does she do? <laughs> right? She laughs. The laughter that came out of Sarah is it's sometimes criticized by commentators. Oh, she was, you know, she didn't believe. Perhaps it's the joyful shout of Isaiah, the natural response when God meets us in a way we don't expect. Sometimes we might pour out our emotions and sometimes we might cry out to the Lord. If we sing, maybe we sing a lament or maybe we sing a joyful song, but all of these desires within us, these cries within us are directed to the Lord and the Lord answers them. Isaiah's encouragement is directly to the barren woman. He's talking to her directly. He's not saying the barren woman will sing. He's saying, sing, sing, O barren woman. This is a hard encouragement to sing. Singing when you're, when you're down and out in exile reminds me of uh, Psalm 137 which was also a popular song. If you know it, you can sing it with me. <clears throat> By the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, yeah, we wept, when we remembered Zion. By the rivers of Babylon, everybody, where we sat down, yeah, we wept when we remembered Zion. And the wicked carried us away in captivity, required from us a song. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Oh, <laughs> How can we sing the Lord's song when we're in exile? How can we sing when we're without fruit, when we're desolate, when we're barren? Reminds me of the African-American spirituals. This is from the Library of Congress, quote, a spiritual is a type of religious folk song that is most closely associated with the enslavement of African people in the American South. The songs proliferated in the few decades of the 18th century leading up to the abolishment of legalized slavery in the 1860s. The African-American spiritual constitutes one of the largest and most significant forms of American folk song. Famous spirituals include Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, composed by Wallace Willis, and Deep Down in My Heart. The term spiritual is derived from the King James Bible translation of Ephesians 5.19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. 
The form has its roots in the informal gatherings of African slaves, enslaved people, in praise houses and outdoor meetings called brush arbor meetings, bush meetings or camp meetings in the 18th century. In Africa, music had been central to people's lives. Music making permeated important life events and daily activities. However, the white colonists of North America were alarmed by and frowned upon the enslaved Africans' infused way of worship because they considered it to be wild. As a result, the gatherings were often banned and had to be conducted in secret. The African population in the American colonies had initially been introduced to Christianity in the 17th century. Uptake of the religion was relatively slow at first, but the enslaved population was fascinated by biblical stories containing parallels to their own lives, and they created spirituals that retold narratives about biblical figures like Daniel and Moses. As Africanized Christianity took hold of the enslaved population, spirituals served as a way to express the community's new faith, as well as its sorrows and hopes, unquote. So these spiritual songs instilled hope in the enslaved people, and it helped them to focus on the redemption narratives that they found in the Bible, and stirring their hearts with the promise of freedom in the midst of immense suffering. Are you all familiar with uh, Go Down Moses? Yeah? You want to sing with me? If you want to sing with me, <laughs> you can. <laughs> When Israel was in Egypt's land, oppressed so hard they could not stand, go down, Moses, way down in Egypt's land, tell old Pharaoh to let. Oh, yeah. This is a comment on this spiritual's message from John Lovell Jr. He says, Go down, Moses, does not employ the undercurrent symbolism of steal away to Jesus and other such poems. You have to be very obtuse in order to miss the point. It says flatly that Moses freed the Egyptian slaves boldly and justly because slavery is wrong. It clearly projects the principles of this experience to all the world. Wherever people are held in bondage, they must and shall be free. The let my people go refrain is thunderous. It does not argue economic, sociological, historical, and racial points. It wastes no words and moves relentlessly towards its goal of filling every listener with a pervasive contempt for oppression and a resounding enthusiasm for freedom. Unquote. I thought... With this in mind, we could take another look at the Haftarah portion from Isaiah. This is the complete portion. It's uh, from Isaiah 54, starting in verse 1 and through verse 10. And I thought we could read it together. You know, please read it aloud with me if you would like. You don't have to. And uh, let's imagine that we are exiled Israel. We've been kicked out of the promised land to the extent that we're wondering if we're still God's people. We're wondering if he still even remembers us. And the Lord calls out to us through the prophet Isaiah. So please read with me as, as you would like. Sing, O barren one who has not given birth. Burst into singing and shout, you who have not travailed. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married one, says Adonai. 
Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out your tabernacle curtains. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right hand and to the left. Your offspring will possess the nations and resettle the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Nor cringe, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth. And you will remember the reproach of your widowhood no more. For your maker is your husband. Adonai Tsevaot is his name. That's the Lord of angel armies. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He will be called God of all the earth. For Adonai has called you back like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of one's youth that is rejected, says your God. For a brief moment, I deserted you. But I will regather you with great compassion. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says Adonai, your Redeemer. For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I swore that the waters of Noah should no more cover the earth, so I have sworn that I will not be angry with you, nor will I rebuke you. Though the mountains depart and the hills be shaken, my love will not depart from you nor will my covenant of peace be shaken, says Adonai, who has compassion on you. As the enslaved Americans did, let's follow Ephesians 5, 19, as Isaiah is encouraging us to do. What does it say? Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord. Therefore, we sing spiritual songs, We read the Torah and the New Testament. We listen to worship music while we do the dishes. And we listen to the scriptures while we drive in our cars. Therefore, we encourage one another with little nuggets, little pieces of the Torah. And we listen to edifying, encouraging messages. And we worship the Lord wherever we may be so that our hearts are filled with hope and so that we can prepare for the good things the Lord will do in and through us. You're barren now, but he says, widen the tent. Prepare for that fruit because that fruit is gonna go back to him because it's all his. We sing spiritual songs and we remember the scriptures because it focuses us back on God, who is faithful to redeem all things, even really tough things. And we worship the Lord because the fruit out of barrenness is really his. Our songs, our worship is our sacrifice. Abraham offered Isaac. Hannah offered Samuel to the priesthood. And we offer our fruit back to the Lord. We give a sacrifice of praise. That's what we do. So you want to practice this with me? I thought of a worship song that I like that uh, is related to the last part of Isaiah 54 that we just read. You have my heart and I am yours forever. You are my strength God of grace and power and everything you hold in your hand. 
is your God of earth and sky How beautiful is your unfailing love Unfailing love You guys want to come up? You can And you never change, God, you remain The Holy One in my unfailing love Unfailing love You are my rock You are my song and I sing for you and everything you hold in your hands still you make time for me and I can understand praise your God of earth and sky how beautiful is your unfailing love unfailing love Is your unfailing love, unfailing love, and you never change, God, you remain the Holy One, and my unfailing love, unfailing love, you have my heart, and I am yours forever, you are my strength, God of grace. And power and everything you hold in your hands, do you make time for me? And I can understand. I praise you, God of earth and sky. How beautiful is your unfailing love, unfailing love, and you never change, God. You the Holy One in my unfailing love, unfailing love, unfailing love, unfailing love, unfailing love, unfailing love, unfailing You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy of our praise. Avinu, our Father, thank you that you are with us and your love is unfailing and you are faithful to us even when we're down and out, even when we're in the wilderness, when we're in exile, when we're far from you, when we're in a difficult season, Lord. Help us, Lord, to sing. Help us to make a joyful noise, to laugh and to proclaim your faithfulness, and to sing spiritual songs and to encourage one another and to, to take in, to eat your, your Torah, to take in your, your scriptures, the New Testament, and to be centered on you, Lord, um, and to remember that you may be angry for a moment, but you are drawing us in with everlasting kindness, with unfailing love, and that you are restoring all things back to yourself, Lord, through Yeshua the Messiah. In his, in his name we pray. Amen. <laughs>